So here we are, three days before Christmas. You're probably aware of that. I probably didn't have to tell you. The, um, you know, we all have expectations of what these next few days will look like. Um, tomorrow I expect to be here. I have uh, things I need to finish up and get in place. Kent and I need to organize a few more things for the Christmas Eve service and um, kind of get kind of get that ready. Uh, Tuesday I expect to meet with the guys. Like I usually do on Tuesday mornings, we're going to meet over at Arby's on uh, Coliseum, talk about uh, the things God's been teaching us as we've been going through this this uh, book together. Tactics is the one we're doing now. It's kind of a good book. If you have opportunity, I encourage you to pick it up. Um, later that day, I'll go out and get the rest of the stuff for the Christmas Eve service and uh, time here as as well as at our house. If you're bored on Christmas Eve or you don't have anything to do um, right now, you know, just tell you we, we invite you to come over to our house after the service. Um, you know, we're going to do the service here at six o'clock and, and encourage you to come. It's always a good service and you're invited to come over to our house afterwards. Uh, we um, we're planning on it, so you know if you you you're in town and uh, you know nobody else wants you, come on down. We enjoy having you together. And then Christmas Day, Christmas morning, uh, Jenny and I will be here early. We expect to be here early. We're going to start cooking. Well, uh, any time between nine and eleven, you show up, and we will be making breakfast. Have that ready for you, so you come on down. Some people have come in their pajamas before, so feel free to do that. Um, maybe you should wear your new pajamas, um, but uh, you know you feel free to come and and be a part of that after the uh, after the the breakfast. You know, and we expect to clean up and head over to Marcy's house. Uh, the family that's in town will get together with that, and Andy's family always comes over also. Uh, and just have a, you know, just have a good time together. Uh, I, throughout all of this, uh, next few days, I expect to eat too much. Um, but I also expect to enjoy it. I was telling Jenny the other day, um, yesterday, that was the other day, wasn't it? Uh, we were going somewhere and I asked her if she wants something to eat. She told me no, she was trying to be careful of what she ate. I said, I figured I'd start being careful maybe after Christmas, you know, you know, why be careful beforehand, even though you know you should be. Uh, but we all have some expectations. We have expectations for, you know, how these next few days are going to play out. We have expectations for Christmas Day. I very vividly remember two Christmases when what happened was not what I expected at all. Uh, both of them were, you know, since we've lived in Fort Wayne, uh, when we were driving back and forth to Chicago, um, one was uh, I got up in the morning and, you know, we were getting ready. Jenny, uh, you know, went back and started to get dressed. I took a shower and then I went back to the bedroom after I got out of the shower. And um, I walk in there and she's laying in bed with the covers pulled up. I didn't expect that. Well, what are you doing? We got to go to Chicago. <laughs> You're supposed to be dressed. We're going we're gonna to be. She had the flu. Um, she didn't get out of bed. I think it was for two and a half days. Uh, I packed the kids up. Marcy was driving at that time. I packed the kids up and uh, sent them to our family in Chicago, and I stayed home with Ginny. And that was before anything uh, in Fort Wayne was open on Christmas Day. 
and we didn't expect to be home, so we didn't really have any food, particularly not any of the good food you want. And uh, Ginny was absolutely no company at all. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I remember I had a frozen pizza. I ate half of it on uh, Christmas Day and half of it the, the day after uh, Christmas. And um, it was the most boring Christmas I can ever remember, I ever remember having. It uh, wasn't what I expected at all. Uh, the other one uh, that that uh, sticks out in my mind, again, was when we were living here. Um, and it was several years, years after this first one. Uh, we were going to be driving in on Christmas Day, going to be driving into Chicago. We got up Christmas morning, and we had six inches of new snow. And um, I remember calling around the, the uh, Indiana State Police and trying to get a, a traffic thing. This was before, you know, you could do this on the Internet. And uh, they had, had a few places along US 30 that were listed as impassable. Uh, we didn't even leave Fort Wayne. We didn't even try to leave Fort Wayne. We thought, well, this would be stupid, you know. And so we, you know, we kind of, we, well, not kind of, we stayed home, didn't even leave. Um, so as I was telling you how I expect the next few days to unfold, I also realize uh, that things don't always go as I expect. This is true for all of us. Things don't always go as we expect. You know, we have our plans, we have our thoughts, we have our ideas of what's going to happen, and uh, they don't always unfold that way. Over the last two Sundays, we looked at uh, Mary, first of all, and her response to the unexpected news that she would be having a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he would be the Son of God himself. And we saw how she uh, just kind of reacted, responded to this unexpected news for her, and in the midst of even some really tough circumstances, what we saw there is that we need to follow God's word and realize that the Lord is with us, uh, just as he said to Mary there. Last week we looked at Joseph, how he responded to the news that Mary was expecting a child, something you know he didn't expect before they had come together, you know, not at all what he expected. It's, we were told he was afraid to take Mary as his wife, um, yet he was a righteous man, and what he did is he acted to protect Mary rather than simply abandon her. Uh, he didn't want to abandon her, and uh, so he, uh, the righteousness came out as he was really seeking to protect her, but still wrestling with that, that fear that he had of being able to take her for his wife. And we saw that our best response to fear is that we go forward in faith and obedience uh, to God's word, knowing that God is with us. You know, no matter what we're facing, he is with us. Today, as we think about expectations, we're going to look at two groups of people also prominent in the Advent narrative, the shepherds and the wise men, the magi. Uh, we're going to look at them uh, quickly and, and see what we can learn. Let's pray, and we'll get into these passages. Father, thank you that you are a God who um, is always with us. You have given us your word for guidance. You have given us your presence for comfort, and we thank you for those. We need to be more aware of both, really, because we have those times in which we we don't exactly feel comforted. We have those times in which we're looking, we're searching, we're wondering. We have those times when things happen, and how do we respond? We saw how Mary and Joseph had responded to these unex, this unexpected, I was going to say intrusion, in one sense intrusion into their life, but also what a blessing. So now as we as we look at others and their response to this whole event of you giving your son to this earth to us, 
um, teach us again. You know the situations and circumstances of all these folks here, and you know it so much better than I do. And I, I, I think, as you always do, that you will minister in ways that I didn't expect. And for that, I give you thanks, and I give you praise. God, our thoughts, our time, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, first, we're going to look at the shepherds. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 2. It's on page 942 in the Pew Bible. Uh, this shows us how the shepherds dealt with a situation that they didn't expect. You know, some of the things were unfolding and they didn't expect that. I, I believe both of these passages that we're going to look at today, they have some information, I think, that will help us as we look and as we think, um, you know, about expectations and the reality that we actually face. So Luke chapter one, chapter 2, excuse me, beginning with verse 1. You can pretend like I'm Linus for the first part of this if you want to. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing, was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David, uh, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the lodging place. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their, at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who was Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Now, we're used to these words, and we're used to hearing these words. We're used to hearing about this event, and maybe perhaps we've missed a few things because we're used to it. Um, you know, we hear the word here that there's no room for them in the inn, no room in the lodging place that, that, that people would have had set aside for visitors. They put a much higher premium on visitors traveling through than, than we sometimes do. Uh, what was it, Mark Twain? I don't know who was it that said um, both fish and visitors stink after three days. Um, you know, but they they didn't see it that way. They saw this as an opportunity. They saw this as a responsibility to minister to those who went through. Uh, that's why you see in different places where uh, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, when they came into town and they would go and, and by the, the well, they're the main well, and that's where then people would come and 
as they saw these visitors, they would be able to invite them home and invite them to be able to come to their home and to stay there. And so here we're told that when Mary and Joseph uh, came, all of these, all, all everybody in a sense had their, their guest room was full, you know, and in a sense all, all of these folks who were really ready to and planning for people already had people committed there. Um, now, as you think about this, so God's plan for our salvation was in place before creation. This is what we're told in Revelation uh, 13. It says, all those who live on earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of the Lamb uh, who was slaughtered. And some translations say the Lamb who was slaughtered from the foundation of the world. It, you know, it tells us here that, you know, that this is from the foundation of the world. Before the, found, before the world, you know, even started, right when he was laying things, he had already planned uh, for our salvation. He had already planned uh, that you know, for our for our care and for for meeting our need of, of our sin, you know, all that went into our salvation was planned by God before creation. None of it was an afterthought. You know, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. You know, he wasn't flying by the seat of his pants. He wasn't wondering what should be done and what should happen. Joseph and Mary were each individually told that the baby would be a boy, and they were to name him Jesus, Joshua. Yahweh saves. This is, this is the, the words that they would hear as they were told, you know, that they, uh, about his name. Uh, they were to name him Jesus, it says, because he would save his people from the guilt and the penalty of their sins. This is what they were told uh, as they were told about this child. God's plan was now unfolding before their eyes. What they had been told, what they read about in the Old Testament, all those scriptures and those passages, and it was now unfolding right there before their eyes. Now, have you thought about this? God's plan laid out before the creation included that there would be no room for Joseph and Mary to shelter in. It included that. This wasn't something unplanned. This wasn't a wrench being thrown into the works and messing things up. God was not confused by this. God was not surprised by this. This wasn't something out, out of the ordinary. In fact, no room in any of the guest quarters is what God had planned. This is what he planned. No, not, no room not only did not stop God, no room was God's plan. That there would be no room for them. What we need to realize is what seems out of place to us may very well be exactly what God had planned. Sometimes things seem way out of control to us. Sometimes things seem to us like they're, you know, like, like this possibly couldn't, couldn't be it at all. When Mary and Joseph were going in there, I mean, I, I don't think she said this, you know, or, or Joseph, either one of them said this, but I mean, I think they, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't we say, you know, when we got there and there's nowhere for us to stay, wouldn't we say, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. We were coming back from uh, Gettysburg and we were driving across and I don't know what was going on, you know, between here and Gettysburg, but it was a lot of stuff. We stopped at the first place. You know, we 
when we travel a lot of times we just kind of have an end destination in in mind and the journey there is really now kind of the fun part for us you know i mean we i i i've you know i've set aside this whole drive like a maniac you know cross your legs we'll all stop and and go to the bathroom you know when the when we're out of gas I, i've set that aside you know because there's stuff now and it just so we're coming back from gettysburg we didn't have reservations anywhere we had left you know a little later the first town we stopped in there literally were no open rooms i mean i think there were four or five hotels there and we went to every one of them they didn't they didn't have a single room for us so we said well let's go on down the road we did after the third stop along the way and not finding any hotels in any of these places you know we just said you know forget it let's just drive home you know we drove on home mary and joseph this is where they were going this was their destination and when they got to that destination there's nowhere to stay i mean i would be looking at this and i would be thinking you got to be kidding me you know joseph why didn't you no uh, you know sometimes what seems out of place to us though might be exactly what god planned god's plan is very often at odds with man's self-centered desires and plans um, we seek better comfort god seeks better character you know we seek material possessions god seeks our maturity oh, we seek recognition god seeks uh, reconciliation we seek our way god seeks our willingness to follow his way we seek higher status god seeks humiliation uh, you know we seek revenge god seeks restoration we seek to have god agree with us when we pray we seek to have him do what what we want as if we know what's best god seeks for us to agree with him acknowledging that he is god that he is lord and that he indeed does know best the shepherds here they're in the field it seems like they were expecting a calm night they were expecting an ordinary night part of their ordinary night certainly you know could have been the possibility to have to fend off some wild animals uh you know with intent on getting the sheep this was a that was an important part of their service they were to protect the sheep so you know they would they would gather them you know all together they would they would uh during the day they would lead the sheep and each shepherd would you know have his sheep that he has to lead and they would lead them and they'd be in different parts at night they would kind of gather uh, closer together and they would they would put them all in a pen that was out there in the fields and many shepherds would come together and, and put them together in, the, in in this pen and then they could work together uh, to guard the to guard the sheep uh, you know and what you have there you know with the all of these shepherds this is what jesus alludes to in his statements about being the door of the sheepfold in what in the gospels and he talks about that i am i am the door to the sheepfold i'm the door to the sheep pen this is what he's talking about where they would gather all of the sheep together 
And as they gathered all of those sheep together in there, the shepherd oftentimes would place himself in the doorway of, of that wall. And then he, you know, one of the shepherds would be there, and in that way he would know, you know, if an animal is trying to get in that way. That's also, you know, the picture that he has when he talks about, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep know, hear, know my voice. And when they hear my voice, they follow me. Because then in the morning, what they would do is they would get up, and each shepherd had their own call for their sheep. And when they gave that call, their sheep were the only ones that would respond and follow them. It's much the same way that when you train a, a police dog. And when you train a police dog, you can say all the commands you want to. And guess what? He is not going to listen to you. He is going to listen to the one that he is trained to listen to. And the rest of you can say all you want to. And that dog doesn't give a rip what you say until the one he was trained to listen to tells him what to do. There's the picture we have when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice and they follow me. This is, this is the picture here you have. These, these shepherds are, are together at night in this sheepfold, protecting, protecting the sheep that are in this sheepfold. And as they're together there, you know, then it says that they're confronted by an angel of the Lord. I didn't know any other, that seems to me to be a good way to put it. They were confronted by an angel of the Lord, uh, you know, and, and the angel, the angel didn't go to the chief priest in the Sanhedrin. The, God did not send the angel to the leaders of, of the Jewish people. He sent these angels here to these shepherds, a group of shepherds. And they were told, notice, they were told to look for two signs. They would find, they would find the Messiah. It says wrapped in, in, uh, wrapped in a, in a snugly in a cloth, you know, in swaddling cloths is what we're used to hearing. <coughs> where, they, where they would, uh, lay down, what well, we'd say blanket, you know, to them it was a piece of cloth and they would wrap them and then they would, wrap this child, you know, with his hands down on his side, kind of like a, a mummy-ish type of thing, uh, to help protect the child and it comforted the child. But So here's the picture uh, of that. Now, that wouldn't have been so out of the ordinary for them. Uh, there's a lot of speculation as to, you know, these cloths sometimes had embroidery on them and stuff, and there's a lot of speculation as to whether some of this was, was on the one uh, you know, wrapped around Jesus. What I would just say with that is if God thought it was important for us to know that, he would have told us, you know. But this, so this this first part, this picture of stuckling cloth wasn't so much out of the ordinary. The second part there where it's lying in a feeding trough. That's the manger. The manger is the, what holds the, the straw for the sheep to eat. That was out of the ordinary. That was something, that was something different. That was something unusual. You know, and he says, here's these two signs for you. You have this baby, you know, wrapped up in this cloth and this, and, and, and you find him lying in a feeding trough. He wasn't dressed in fancy robes. He wasn't staying in the best place in town. He had on, you know, just this regular swaddling cloth and he was in a feeding trough, a feeding trough because there was no room in any of the guest rooms, just as God had planned from before creation. Not surprised at all. 
Then a little more unexpected activity. Notice it says, as suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel. <laughs> and it says, and, and they give a, they give a message. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Peace on earth. You know, we think that, well, there is no, there is, how's that song go? There is no peace on earth. I said, uh, because hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There's another line in there that I skipped. So. Uh, but uh, the peace is between God and man. That's the peace he's talking about. He's talking about the peace between God and man. Now, I will tell you that as the peace between God and man increases around the world, guess what's going to happen? Peace on earth between man and man will increase. Our problem sometimes is we work on peace between man and man and ignore peace with God. Then that peace between man and man is only, you know, it's only going to be temporary because, you know, man, between man and man, we continue to struggle because we fight for our own way. Physically, mentally, our ideas, our thoughts, our we fight for our own way. But we can have peace with God even in the midst of chaos. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Even in the midst of that turmoil, even in the midst of the, of the strife, even in the midst of man banging head with man, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That when we come and we have a relationship with God and we have a relationship with him, that we have that peace with God. Now, that should certainly affect the way that we treat others and the way that we interact with others. But sometimes it's not always our choice. Sometimes it's the choice of others. And sometimes, you know, others bring, bring as I say, confusion. They bring confusion, conflict. They bring disharmony into our lives scripture tells us you know as much as is depends on us be at peace with all men but sometimes we've done all we can and there's still no peace but they're between man and man but we still have that peace with god now the heavenly host and the angels leave and the shepherds respond now notice they did not say let's go see if this thing really happened what they said is, let's go see because this thing really did happen. They believed the message of God. They believed that message from God. They said, let's go see this thing that has happened. Let's see this thing that has happened. God told us about it. We believe it. Let's go see what has happened. Let's not go see if it is true. It's, it, it wasn't what they expected. Why would you expect to find a baby in a feeding trough? Why would you expect that? You know, why would you expect these angels to come? And they went and it says, and they found Mary and, and, and Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And then they began to tell the people the message that they were told about Jesus. So what they're telling wasn't their opinion. They were telling God's word about Jesus to others. Because notice what it says there, that they shared their experience. You know, as they shared their experience with Jesus, uh, you know, after seeing him, they returned to the field. It says, uh, and they, as they did, notice it says, they praised God for what they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. That everything was there just as they had been told. And they shared their experience with Jesus. Now, 
you know, we often wonder, you know, I can't talk to any people about Jesus. Yes, you can. What do you tell them? You tell them about your experience with Jesus and what he's done in your life. And the things that, you know, the change that has come about in your life because of him and who he is and his, and his interactions in your life. Now, what they saw to them, they said, was just as God had communicated them. They were praising God for the truthfulness of his word. They were praising God because they have found things just as they had been told. Let's look at the wise men. Matthew chapter 2. Flip there, page 879. Matthew chapter 2, first 12 verses. We're going to go through this part quickly. Again, it's another familiar event to us. Um, the coming of, of the wise men. Many feel this was possibly even two years after his birth. Um, what seems clear from the passage is they they didn't show up at the stable. Um, that seems clear, but, um, you know, so I don't want to ruin your little neat little Christmas picture. But uh, chapter uh, chapter 2, Matthew, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there was the star that they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Now, notice it says these, these wise men were unexpected visitors to Jerusalem. I mean, that's, that's what it tells us here, that they arrived, it says that they arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem in the first verse. They were unexpected visitors here. Jerusalem was the provincial capital of that area, so arriving dignitaries wouldn't be unusual. That wouldn't be unusual, you know, to, to, to hear that. Uh, you know, when the president came to Fort Wayne, it was a big deal. When the president came to Washington, D.C., they said, huh. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it, you know, it, when, when, a, when traveling dignitaries come into Washington, D.C., you know, they, they might have a little bit of pomp and circumstance, but you know what? They're used to it. Because that's, that's the way that they expect. Jerusalem, you know, was the place where they expected the, the visitors to go. Dignitaries would have come. And as they came, they would have arranged to meet the king when they came. You know, the, the, these men were looking that it says, though, notice for a newborn king, not the current king, Herod. They weren't looking for the current king. They were looking for a newborn king. 
We're told it says that, that King Herod was deeply disturbed because he didn't expect another king to come on the scene. You see, his responsibility here, his, his, he was a provincial king uh, under, you know, under Caesar. And his, his, you know, this could be real trouble for him because it was his responsibility to Rome to keep, to keep the, the place that he was the king over this little part, that he was to keep that, the peace there. He was to keep it calm. He was to make sure that there was no rebellion that came up against Rome in particular. So for him to hear about another king, you know, it threatened and it threatened well his well-being and, and his place, you know. And now knowing, he says here that uh, the, the the wise men came and they mentioned one born king of the Jews. So Herod called in the chief priests and the scribes because he expected that they would know what this was about. But God never sent the angel to the chief priests and the scribes. He sent them to the shepherds. But he calls them in, you know, and now notice, notice that they knew God's word. They just didn't know Jesus. They knew his word because they could say, this is what it says in the scriptures. You know, this is what it says. here, And they could tell him, you know, what it said in the Bible. You know, there's a difference between knowing God's word and knowing Jesus. There is a difference between those two. What we need to be careful is that we don't stop at knowing God's word. Knowing God's word can make you religious. And, you know, and, and the, uh, and no, now knowing God's word is good and it's important. You need to know God's word. You know, so don't, don't hear me saying that, you know, God's word is unimportant. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you don't stop at God's word. God's word is to lead us into relationship with Christ. It's to lead us into relationship with Jesus. There is certainly guidance and direction there, but it's to lead us to know God better. He is revealing himself in Scripture. He is revealing his plans to us in Scripture. He is call, He is telling us his character, his being, and, and all of this is unfolded in Scripture. So Scripture is, is vitally important. But don't stop at knowing God's Word. That, that, that Knowing God's Word can make you religious, and religion, some people down religion. Religion has its place only as it leads us to know God, though. Only as it leads us and helps us to express. If, if religion becomes an end in itself, then, then, it, then it's a horrible thing. Because religion is incomplete without knowing Jesus. It is totally incomplete. The end goal, if, if the end goal of religion is not a relationship with Jesus, then it's a false religion. It's a destructive religion. Because what it does, if the religion doesn't guide you to a relationship with Jesus, what it does then is it puts up man's works as sufficient. Just practicing this religion then is enough, and it's not. Never stop at religion. You go to have that relationship with Christ. Now, based on the information here that the Jewish leaders give Herod, Herod sends the wise men to find Jesus, and he says he pulls them aside by themselves, says, let me know when you find him, because I want to go worship this guy too. You know, he, he lies to them is, is what he does. But what Herod expected was that the wise men would return to him. He expected these wise men to come to him so that, you know, he, he could deal with this newborn king. Now, God had other plans. 
Herod, what Herod expected was different than the plans that God had. The wise men find Jesus, and I find it very interesting. They did not find him where they expected. They did not find him in Jerusalem. They did not find him in, a, in the palace. They did not find him, you know, in, fine, uh, in uh, you know, the, the best of clothes and uh, with all these attendants around. The wise men find Jesus, but notice what it says. They fall to their knees and they worship this child. God intervenes again and he warns the wise men. And if you read on further than where we stopped, he directs them to return to their homeland without reporting back to Herod. And so they go back and they, they says that they return by another route. And then the part we didn't read, Herod gets a little ticked and he puts his own plan in place again to try to deal with this newborn king. But notice, both the shepherds and the wise men had to follow what God said. Not what seemed logical, not what, you know, not what seemed to fit, not what seemed to be correct. What they had to do instead, you know, was to, was to follow what God said. It seemed logical, you know, that the new king of the Jews would be in the capital city. It seemed logical that he would be living there, residing in a well-appointed palace. It would seem to fit that the Christ would be born when he was born, that he would be well attended to, that it would be a regal setting. Not that he would be lying in a manger. It would seem correct that the shepherds would be some among a crowd of people that were there that day. This was the Messiah who was born. They would be there welcoming this birth of the Messiah, that the, the one that they had expected for centuries, yet as you read through the account, it seems that they were quite possibly the only ones who came by that night. See, God doesn't always work according to human expectations. But he does always work according to his word. The shepherds found everything just as God had said. The wise men found everything just as was laid out by the prophets. God, you know, he doesn't always work according to our expectations, but he does always work according to his word. Examine your expectations. Think about your expectations. Are your expectations simply yours? Or are they in line with God's word? Where you find that your expectations differ from God's word, you should submit your expectations to God's plan that's found in his word. God will not always work as you expect, but he will always work according to his plan. And his plan will always be in line with his word. Follow God's word in faith and you will see God's plan unfold. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. Yeah, we see some things sometimes and we're confused. Help us not to respond to the situation, but to respond to you and to look in your word, to look for your truth, to look to see what you would have for us and giving us guidance and direction. Help us to always be faithful to you, not bumped away from your word by the things that we find ourselves in the middle of. That's not always easy for us, and we certainly need your help. So continue to 
continue to help us understand, continue to help us grasp, continue to help us not to stop with simply knowing your word, but to, to go on and, and continue that developing and a deeper relationship with Jesus, our Savior, the one who came according to your plan. Not in the way man expected. Not in the way probably his parents even expected. But in a way that was in line with your word and your truth. Help us to always yield our expectations to you and your truth, we pray in Christ's name.